Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established co-founder of Established Ventures and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you and we are almost to 100 episodes. Can you believe it? Number 97 today and a very special guest. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Steve Case, whose CV is pretty lengthy and very notable. He's currently the chairman and CEO of Revolution and the chairman of the Case Foundation, but he's also the co-founder of AOL, America Online. So if you you know, been online at some point, uh, he probably paved the way uh, for you, bringing consumers online for the first time back in the uh, 90s. And uh, here we are today using the internet as a necessity. So you can thank Steve Case for that and uh, his amazing work in the early early days. And uh, now he's, uh, you know, since 2014, he's uh, launched the uh, Revolution Rise of the Rest, an initiative to accelerate the growth of tech startups around the country. And uh, he also wrote a book called The Third Wave, An Entrepreneur's Vision of the Future, which came out in 2017. And he most recently wrote a book, a new book. It's called The Rise of the Rest, How Entrepreneurs in Surprising Places Are Building the New American Dream. The book is available on September 27th, 2022, on uh, pretty much everywhere you can find it, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere. So go check it out. We'll drop the uh, link in the show notes. And uh, in the book, he dives into startup communities and uh, what's transforming these cities across the country as you don't have to be in, in uh, New York, San Francisco, or, or Boston area anymore to start and run a successful startup. So he's also sharing what he's learned along the way uh, as he's toured the country on his Rise of the Rest road trips. And uh, I actually joined Steve Case and Revolution on these Rise of the Rest bus tours. I was on five tours and um, it was a lot of fun. Went to a number of different cities, 20-something, 25-something cities, and uh, I've seen it firsthand. As you're on the ground, you meet all the people and all the, all the government officials and all the startups and entrepreneurs and the investors. And uh, the book covers and shares a lot of these different stories, and it was great to, uh, to kind of live it, but then obviously hear it again in the book. So very interesting, and there's some that I didn't know about. So great to, to have those uh, brought to light as well. And I'm very much looking forward to talking to, to Steve. I've known him for quite some time, and we've worked together for over a decade here. And, uh, you know, looking forward to talking to him here shortly. But before I do, I wanted to share a special event that we just launched. Uh, it's coming up on October 4th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. It's part of our new series for startups called Grow Your Start- Startup Series. Uh, and it's called What's in a Pitch Deck? And uh, I'll be talking, actually, at that webinar. It's a, I'm going to be hosting it. And I'm going to share uh, what you can do to rock your next pitch deck with some simple and straightforward advice. So if you want to learn more about it, uh, it's a free event. You just simply go to the show notes and learn more and click on the, uh, the link or go to SOTY.link forward slash pitch deck webinar. I'll also share it in my own Twitter at Frank Gruber and it's at somewhat at, well, at startup of year, I think is the other one you can look at and uh, find out more about this. And if you can't find it on online, it should be in our our stream somewhere and you should be able to click and, and register and join us. We also have been uh, highlighting startups. We like to, you know, ring the bell or beat the drum of, of startups all around the country and have been doing that and amplifying their stories for over 15 years now in various forms and formats. And today on today's episode, I want to shine a light on Aloha Boomboxes, 
which it actually allows you to play your favorite songs without having to connect to a smartphone. So you can take your music anywhere. It relies on a, a 4G or 5G LTE connection, and it can be solarly, you're charged solarly via solar. So it's got a, the ability to keep going even when you don't have a plug or you know it has a battery built in, of course. Um, you can learn more at alohaboomboxes.com. That's alohaboomboxes.com. I see it's fitting that uh, the, the company here today on, on Steve Case's episode has the word aloha in it, in it because he's actually from Hawaii. So aloha to everyone out there listening. All right, now let's catch up with Steve Case about his new book, Rise of the Rest. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for joining me today. Congratulations on Great. the new book. Thank you. Great to be back with you. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a while, uh, of a while here. We had a little pandemic in between there and uh, <laughs> haven't been able to get together, but I hope to hope to see you in person here soon. Um, I was super excited to, to have you today because uh, the book, your book, your new book that's come, come out here, The Rise of the Rest, How Entrepreneurs in Surprising Places Are Building a, the New Dream, American Dream, is out and uh, on the 27th of, of September here. And I was especially excited because I had the fortune of of being on some of those trips. I think I went on five tours as a partner with both Techco and then established. So it actually brought back a lot of memories. Um, I guess, uh, you know, just being there and, and some of the people we met and, and it was really, really interesting for me just to go down memory lane, but also there were a lot of great stories in there that um, I wasn't a part of and didn't know the backstories. And uh, I thought that, you know, obviously it's very interesting from my perspective, seeing those other tours. So, Congrats on the book. I loved it. And I uh, wanted to jump in, though, and talk a little bit more about Rise of the Rest and, and how it all got started here. So everyone kind of has the same level set of, of what we're talking about. So how many tours and cities have you visited now with the Rise of the Rest bus tours? Uh, well, we've done eight tours in 43 cities. Uh, and in addition to that, we've now invested with our Rise of the Rest seed fund in a total of about 100 cities. Uh, so we've been, <laughs> we've been around the country. And as you mentioned, you've been on a lot of those and saw this firsthand. The reason I decided to write the book is because, it, as you saw, it was amazing what's happening with, with different cities kind of being renewed because of what's happening in the startup communities. It's amazing what some of these entrepreneurs are doing, disrupting some big industries and doing it in places that most people just don't pay attention to it. So I just felt after spending so much time over the last decade traveling around, meeting people, seeing what's happening in, 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 in cities, uh, I just felt compelled to write the, write the story, which is really their story. And, and uh, I think the story of this next chapter of America. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you started with just the tours and I remember it was, um, it wasn't even a fund. You, you were, you were just kind of going off and doing this. And I know the revolution is now, in, you know, very much supportive and involved, but at first it was kind of just getting going. Um, almost like a startup <laughs> in itself yeah. uh, within a revolution, which I loved. And it took about four, three or four tours, and then you got the Rise of the Rest seed fund that you launched. And can you share a little bit more about the fund and what you've raised and what that's been able to to do now for those those startups around the country? Sure. As you said, it started this kind of my side hustle. We do this kind of off on the side, and the investments we made through pitch competition winners, I was just funding personally for the first uh, several you know, tours. But just saw what was happening and saw the, the, the number of great entrepreneurs building you know, fabulous companies uh, and decided to formalize it by creating a, a fund that could make even more investments in even more cities. And, and so far, we've got 200 investments in our, just our Rise of Rest funds. Um, but I also thought it'd be interesting to not just tap into the normal institutional 
investor base, which is what most venture capital firms do. And that's what we've done with Revolution Growth and Revolution Ventures or two other parts of, of Revolution, but instead go to individuals. And, uh, you know, we end up getting 35, 40 people and some of the most you know prominent entrepreneurs and investors to, to join us on I mean, people like uh, Jeff Bezos and Howard Schultz and Tori Birch and Sarah Blakely, you know, obviously fabulous entrepreneurs and venture capitalists like uh, John Doerr and Jim Breyer, two of the iconic Silicon Valley uh, investors and private equity uh, folks like uh, David Rubenstein and Henry Kravis and Josh Harris and others and hedge fund people as well. Ray Dalio is an example. Uh, so really it was a, a, a great uh, I think message, I think, to the cities that we're backing and the entrepreneurs we're backing that this isn't just about Steve Case or just about revolution. This is some of the most you know, successful people in the country really believing in what you're building, believing in these cities, you know, believing that significant companies can be built in those cities that could end up being significant investments with great returns, but also have a significant impact in these communities in terms of, uh, of creating you know, jobs and more uh, hope and opportunity in, in, in these cities that have sometimes felt kind of um, left behind. And so that was really a big, uh, big boost when when that, that group of people agreed to join us on this uh, on this journey. And, and, you know, frankly, some probably were a little skeptical when we first started. Can you really generate you know, top tier investment returns investing outside of places like Silicon Valley, New York City, Boston, uh, but it's, thankfully, so far the returns have been quite, quite promising, and I think we are going to generate, you know, top tier returns for for these uh, rise of risk seed funds, and and really open a lot of people's eyes to the reality of what's happening out there, and and uh, and the opportunity, uh, whether it be for entrepreneurs to start companies or investors to back those companies. Uh, we're starting to see real momentum there. One thing that I was encouraged by, and I, I wrote about this in the book. We did a joint effort with PitchBook last year, uh, and one of the one of the findings was in the last decade, over fourteen hundred new regional venture firms have started up, which is super encouraging in terms of having kind of on the ground boots on the ground support in lots of communities around the country, particularly for that early seed angel you know kind of venture side of things. I think that bodes well for uh, for the future. And the other thing that bodes well for the future, and I hate to say this because the pandemic has obviously been terrible in, in, in many respects. Lots of people lost their lives. It's been super disruptive in terms of the economy and many, many education, a lot of other things. But, you know, if you're looking for something more positive, almost a silver lining and what's been a difficult, even tragic couple of year period, it's that it probably will be looked back as the tipping point that really led to the acceleration of these dynamics in these you know, rise of rest cities. As you know, we've seen some dispersion of talent, people who had left the different parts of the country to go to the coast, started returning to the coast. We've seen uh, more capital flowing, including venture capitalists in places like Silicon Valley, meeting entrepreneurs other places in part because Zoom became the, you know, the way to, you know, do an initial uh, you know, pitch. A bunch of things have been you know, happening, you know, kind of bubbled over the decade, but really accelerated over the past you know, couple of years. So I think this book comes out at a, a perfect time as more people are thinking about how, to, how should they, Think about their work. How they, should they think about life? How they should? Where do they want to live? And how do they want to live? And how do they want to work? And maybe it's a little more remote. Maybe it's a little more hybrid. Uh, that's that's in play, as well as this. You know, more and more investors now, you know, seeing that there really are opportunities to generate, you know, fabulous investment returns in these other places, which is leading to an acceleration of, of capital, you know, backing backing those entrepreneurs and and supporting the the, the growth of more of those rising startup communities. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in particular to that fund, I think one of the things I noted is, and you, you mentioned it a moment ago, is that you've kind of sparked these other investors uh, in these other regions. Because I know that the fund itself, it's a seed fund and it, it doesn't necessarily lead investments. It it um, it tries to get others in, in the community to support these startups as well. And I, I think that's an interesting approach. And can I can you is, can you share a little bit more about your process for thinking through that particular part of it? Because I know, you know, it'd be easy for you to go in and just fund a bunch of companies and, and lead all those investments. But I know you've been intentional about not leading investments and and trying to get more people off the sidelines. Yeah, no, I think it's super important. And there's an African proverb that kind of animates the way we think about this. If you want to go you know, quickly, you can go alone, but if you want to go far, you must go together. And we really want to go far. So we want to go together. And that means, you know, kind of collaboration with others, whether it be collaboration of some of the investors I just mentioned that are joining us as investors in our funds so we can invest in these companies or collaboration in these communities. And so, so far, we've co-invested with over 300 uh, regional venture firms, and they really do lead the round. They take the, the, you know, the board seats. We then try to create a network across these different entrepreneurs, across these different cities, hosting things like Rise of the Rest Summits and many other ways to add value and allow these entrepreneurs and frankly, other investors we're co-investing in to tap into our broader network. Uh, and so they can do things that, that they couldn't you know, perhaps otherwise do. So that's a key part of our, our strategy with the, with the Rise of the Rest. We really believe in this notion of collaboration and, and partnerships and are really intentional about working with you know some of the, the very best uh, regional investors you know identifying opportunities to, to work together to co-invest uh, we write a you know you know relatively small check in the initial round typically around a half million dollars others are other are typically uh, writing a larger check uh, but then we really try to do everything we can to, to help those you know, companies be successful and do write follow-on checks uh, in terms of uh, you know, we call it land and expand. So we do initial land investment and, and then we are uh, prepared to invest in, in the in the follow on rounds. But you know, there, there too, we're really looking for other venture capitalists to, you know, to, to take the lead. And we are hopeful that and part of the reason we even launched the fund and part of the reason we launched it with a lot of these credible uh, you know, kind of investors is we thought the best way to get more capital to more entrepreneurs in more parts of the country was to prove that you could generate, you know, top tier returns by doing that, and so uh, that's why the you know, focus has always been on making sure we are generating those returns because that will lead, we believe, other investors, including on some on the coast, to start looking at these different, you know, you know cities, and that's you know, started to happen. I think we'll, we'll see more of it in the in in the years ahead. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, the the book itself and just your overall mission is bigger than just that, right? So in just reading the book, you talked about um, when you first got to Washington, D.C. and, and you know, you, you, you were part of the 200th birthday of, of, of the United States. And, and here we are coming upon soon our 250th birthday and, and really lay out what, what you'd like to see happen. And one of those things is, you know, leading in innovation and entrepreneurship in the future. And can you talk a little bit more about that mission and, and what you're what you're seeing and how you're continuing to kind of drive towards that uh, as a leader in the community? Yeah, it's sort of I, I find sometimes we all get so busy doing what we're doing, it, you kind of lose a little perspective and context. And sometimes it is just helpful to 
take a step step back. And I, as you mentioned, I start the book with uh, you know kind of my own experience uh, you know, visiting Washington D.C. It was the 200th birthday. It was the, it was the summer where the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum was opened uh, for the first time, and, and it really inspired me and a lot of other people to think like, "Wow, that was you know putting a man on the moon and returning him safely." That's amazing, and all the technologies that had to get invented that that were just not possible when they set out on what they called this literally, you know, kind of moonshot project. That that was amazing, and we should we should celebrate that. I think it's inspired a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, over the last several decades to do some some amazing things. But it's also worth going even further back and remembering that America itself was a startup. You know, we take it for granted that America now has got the leading economy, that America is the leader of the free world. But that didn't happen by accident. It was the work of, you know, entrepreneurs who, who built companies, built industries. America kind of led the way with the agricultural revolution. Then we led the way with the industrial revolution. More recently, we've led the way with the, the digital revolution. Uh, and that's why we went from this, you know, fledgling startup nation, you know, nearly 250 years ago being the powerhouse we are today and, and and we should celebrate that but also recognize that other countries have kind of figured out that the secret sauce that has kind of animated the american story is is innovation is entrepreneurship and they're trying to do what they can investing in technology and, and you know, better education and more capital and so forth to try to you know win in this next uh, you know, next phase. And so we need to double down on our nation's entrepreneurs and we need to double down on just trying to make sure we are, you know, innovating and, and creating not just companies, but new, new industries. And I think the best shot of doing that is to be more inclusive, not just continue to invest in, you know, kind of same kind of people in the same kind of places, but, you know, kind of level of playing field and, and invest all across the country and backing entrepreneurs with all kinds of more diverse background. I think that maximizes the shots on goal we take as a, as a nation, maximizes the likelihood that some of those end up really being the, the, the amazing companies of, uh, of, of tomorrow. It also has this positive impact in terms of job creation in these communities where a lot of people, you know, have felt for the, the, that the innovation is limited to a few places like Silicon Valley. That's where all the job growth is. That's where all the economic value is being created. A lot of people in other parts of the country kind of feel left out and, and disrespected and left behind and, and resentful of, of the disruptions that, that uh, we celebrate in Silicon Valley that in many cases actually end up hurting their family or hurting their community because they see job loss because of those disruptions. So. Yeah, that's always going to happen. You can't stop the progress of innovation or productivity. You shouldn't even try, but you can try. I think you must, we must try to create more opportunity for more people and not just limit it to the, the coast and start creating more of the, you know, the great jobs of the, of the future. And the best way to do that is to back entrepreneurs. And, the, you know, the, the critical way to do that is to get more capital in their hands, create cultures around, you know, kind of innovation in, in different communities that are more uh, open to and, supportive of uh, entrepreneurs win this battle for talent instead of having people leave your community to you know kind of go to greener pastures on the coast have, have, have fewer people leave and more people returning kind of the boomerang i think if we get all that working i think uh, we'll not just have more successful companies and more successful 
you know, kind of startup communities in more places, but a more successful country that is more able to withstand this intensifying global competition. So it's important. Again, that's part of the reason I wrote the book. It's not just about telling any one story or talking about any one city. There's a broader message here, which is, you know, we need to lean into the future and do it in a much more inclusive way. Yeah, that's a great point. And I actually was going to ask you about that, the equality part and making sure like both on the investment side, but also, you know, in, in the founders, but also the venture funds uh, out there. So you talked about it a little bit about the the way to get it, get around that or get, you know, improve that. Um, what do you think the biggest obstacle is in creating that, um, that equality though? And just in general, people are not, um, you know, there's not enough, maybe let's say black founders, um, that are, are black founders that have been successful and are all now doing venture or what, what is, what is your, what is, what are you seeing? Like, I just want to get your take on that. It's a mix of things and any of these things that are you know, hard to, you know, kind of simplify too much, but I'd right. say one big factor is venture capitalists typically back people in their networks that, right. or the people they meet through their network. So right. yeah. if they went to school at Stanford and then worked at, Google and then, you know, worked at Facebook, likely, you know, they then move into being venture capitalists. Chances right. are most of the companies they back have something to do with that, that backstory, which, uh, you know, has some logic because you know those people, uh, but does result in dramatically lowering your aperture in terms of other people that weren't already, you know, part of your, uh, your networks. And, and so figuring out ways to expand your, your, that, that aperture, expand your networks is, 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 is important. Another is to make sure, and this is, I think what you're suggesting in the question that the people making the investment decisions are themselves represented of more diverse, you know, communities. And part of the reason we've done better than most, uh, investment firms in terms of, of, uh, diversity and you know, the rise, the rest, uh, uh, portfolio, I think right now about 41, 42% of the entrepreneurs we backed are either women or people of color, which is still not what it should be, but a lot better than, than the statistics of most firms. Yeah. Some of that is the intentionality you saw it on, on our various tours. We want to make sure there's a diverse mix of entrepreneurs on stage when they pitch, but some of it's also the fact that the, the Rise of Fund is led by two co-managing partners you know, Anna Mason, who is a woman and David Hall, who is black. So guess what? You know, they, they yep. can, you know, leverage their their networks and really uh, advocate on behalf of, of entrepreneurs that sometimes don't get the uh, you know, same opportunity that, that uh, you know, other people in other places might uh, might get. So those are some of the factors. There's other, there's other factors as well. But I think we just have to recognize that it's not just a problem to solve uh, a problem around fairness. But also an opportunity to seize because if you expand your network to include more people and more places, you are likelier to find some of the great investment opportunities of tomorrow that will generate the, you know, the great returns that will allow you to continue to, to, to scale up as, as, as venture capitalists. So part of the argument in the book is, is, you know, that this is, as I said, the, you know, the, the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. And that's why we're encouraged that, you know, some of the new venture firms have started to encourage that some of the coastal firms are paying more attention to what's happening in other parts of the country. Yep. And I, I believe there, you know, I don't remember which um, publication put it out. There was some research done behind that as well to, to show that there is, you know, financially it makes sense too, which obviously some people uh, weigh heavier than, than everything else. So I think that's, that's important to, to note as well. So you're leading by example. And I love it. I think it's, you know, spot on. Um, let's talk about um, some of the, some of the things that, are near and dear to my heart. I mean, 
ecosystem building is a big part of that book. Um, it's been what you've been doing. You're not calling it that necessarily, but that's what you've been doing, like going out on the road and bringing all these people together. I've also been doing that for quite some time. So I wanted to get your, get your take on the right approach when it comes to ecosystem development um, and get, you know, what, sh what should cities be doing if they're trying to, um, I guess you could say, up their game or rise? What are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Well, again, you, as you say, you've done this for a lot of years as well, so you can answer your own question as well as I can. But some of the things I'd point out is, is that we've done a number of, of research studies on this in terms of rise of the rest reports, and a good bit of it's included in uh, in this book. And there's different aspects, as you as you well know, the kind of ecosystem you know, development. But to me, it starts with just uh, intentionality. The communities have to realize that the future is in part in the hands of their entrepreneurs, that if they're just kind of resting on their laurels and just you know relying on the fact they have a bunch of big, maybe Fortune 500 companies in their community, some of those are gonna fall by the wayside. You know, the, the statistics are pretty sobering there. About half of the Fortune 500 turns over every 25 years. So you know, it's great that you have some big companies in your community, but you better be backing some of those new companies that start small, but some of them could end up being big. Otherwise, you're not going to like the way your community looks in 25 years and you're going to suffer uh, kind of job loss and economic decline. And, and there are plenty of examples in the book, like the, the rise in the fall and now the rise again, the renaissance of a city like uh, like Detroit. Uh, so that that aspect, I think, is, is important. It's also critically important, again, as you know, and you've seen this on terms of our bus tours, to drive more collaboration in, in these communities, bring people together. And it's always surprising to me. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because we've been doing this now for a decade, but it still is that in the communities we visit, people that should be working together often don't even know each other. And so part of the reason we even have the bus, you know, is it's a little bit of a Americana road trip iconic thing that attracts some you know, press attention, which helps us spotlight these entrepreneurs in these cities. But it also is a convening platform. And as you know, we bring people together on the bus to, as we're driving around town. And, and, and that's been very helpful in creating more of that, you know, collaboration, driving more kind of a network uh, density. So that, that's important. You also have to, you know, attract more capital, whether that be capital off the sidelines of your, your, your local community or figuring out ways to connect with people in other, other places. That's a key part, obviously, of what we're trying to do with the Rise of Rest Fund. And you also have to win this battle for talent uh, and so how do you you know the people growing up in your town or graduating from your schools or universities in, in your town how do you keep you keep more of them in place as opposed to having them you know, at least some of them you know kind of jump ship to go to the coast and then particularly with this pandemic how do you build on some of this momentum and uh, that's come out of that in terms of this rethinking of life and, and work and and you know, create a boomerang effect in your in your your community. And lastly, I'd say that this, this cultural point is also important. That one of the great things about Silicon Valley is it's fearless. It's just sort of the art of the possible. And when you get a pitch there, people kind of focus on how big it can be. In many parts of the country, people focus on more why it might go wrong, kind of what the risk factors are. And and it just you know the nature of startups, and entrepreneurship. Obviously, there's some risk associated with it, but but you just have to understand that that's what you have to embrace if you want to, you know, create the future, you want to be you know, creating kind of jobs and driving economic growth in, in your community. So just getting people to think a little bit differently uh, in uh, different parts of the country is is, uh, is another area that we, we continue to focus on. And hopefully the book will help, you know, give people that sense of, wow, I, I didn't realize that, you know, that kind of company disrupting that kind of industry 
could be built in in my city or a city a city nearby huh maybe maybe there's more we could do here uh, and that leads other people to shot take a shot at that i remember the first person who climbed mount everest nobody thought it was possible once one person did it suddenly a bunch of people did it you know nobody thought it was possible to, to you know run a mile in less than four minutes one person did it suddenly a bunch of people did it we're trying to use that dynamic to to help create more momentum around entrepreneurship in, in all these different rise of rest cities and give more of the, and, you know, the entrepreneurs, the, you know, the, the take the, the, the idea that they should take their shot and getting more investors, uh, some case studies and why it makes good sense as, as investments, get more people in those communities to have reasons why they should lean into this and, and support you know, entrepreneurs. How do you, how do you kind of model it, showcase it and, and with a goal of accelerating it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one uh, question I had that kind of was in there somewhere. You were talking about startups and what's what's different. Um, what's true now with with you know, startups you're seeing versus when you started at AOL? And this is actually a question from our community. Jared Motz submitted this question. We did a little bit of a crowdsourcing for some of our community members. So I'd love to hear what is true now about startups. It wasn't uh, you know the same when you you started at AOL. What's different? Well, I'd say the the it's still challenging uh, for any any entrepreneur to get going. And it was really challenging for me and our team at uh, America Online, uh, because as you know, we started in uh, Northern Virginia, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, uh, and there was no venture capital there. And so we had to raise money from, from, from other places. And because there wasn't a startup community in the greater Washington DC area, it was really hard to get people to join us. You know, hard to get somebody working at a big company to join our, our little company. And I think some of those lessons I think helped Give me a little more empathy for the entrepreneurs in these in these rise of the rest cities. So the, you know, the capital piece is different. Also, the ability, the willingness to back young entrepreneurs is is different. When I you know graduated from college, I was 21 years old. I actually knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be part of you know I thought was this coming internet phenomenon back in 1980, so four decades ago. But you know there's no venture capital backing 21 year olds you know back then. So I think those are yeah. are positives. I think the role that you know, startups have played in, in, in many sectors of the economy is also uh, you know, a big positive. The fact that entrepreneurship generally, you know, despite the, you know, the, the concerns I just raised around some, some communities being a little too status quo oriented, too risk averse, I think there's a general recognition that entrepreneurs do play a central role in, in, uh, in, in, in driving innovation. Um, and so those are some of the you know, factors. It's a, you know, entrepreneurship is, is more uh, more of an option when people are coming out of school than it was uh, right. for me. Capital is somewhat more available than it was back then, but that's not to say there's still not you know significant challenges for any entrepreneur trying to build any company anywhere. Right. Absolutely. Great. Great. Great points. All right. That's that's for Jared, and I'm going to dive back in uh, the book and and talk a little bit about um, you know the book has kind of two sections, and I I love how you broke it down. And you, your last book, um, the third wave. Um, talked about the various waves that we've gone through, and and I, uh, you know, basically as we've got to this point in in our existence, I guess you could say in uh, innovation, and you now have this pandemic that hit us and it accelerated us into what you're calling the fourth wave. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, the third wave and how it's pushed us into like now maybe what you're calling the fourth wave and what that means? Well, just for those who aren't familiar with the, at least my perspective on this, the, the, the first way was really getting everybody online. You know, when we started AOL, only 3% of people were online. 
and those three percent were online one hour a week so it was pretty pretty early days and we just we and other companies really kind of built the on-ramps the internet and built reasons why you want to be on the internet and, and so forth that was really the you know kind of the 80s and the 90s the first you know couple decades and then the last 20 years or so has been essentially building software on top of the internet you didn't have to build the infrastructure because it's already there so you could just focus on innovations around apps and services like facebook and google and and uh, and many others that then set the stage for the third way, which we're in now, where it's sort of the internet meets the real world. Um, and that's driving innovation, disruption across some of the you know really big industries like healthcare and food and ag and, and, and so forth. And we're in that phase. But what's what we're also seeing now is the convergence, almost like a tidal wave of factors, as you know, we think of different ways to kind of operate as a society, including how we think about work and offices and, and things like that. This, this, this acceleration of capital backing people in other places, the juxtaposition of some public policy, including some of the legislation that just passed this past summer, that's going to be funding things like um, regional hubs. There's just a bunch of things in play that are you know, super interesting and each of them on their own will have an impact in terms of this next phase of innovation. But as they converge together, it could have a really dramatic impact. And that's again, part of the reason I wrote the book, trying to tell some of these stories, but also outline you know, a potential path forward here in terms of what the, what the world might look like 10 or 20 years from now. Yeah, lots of great, great, uh you know, examples and in ways to show the, you know, where things are going. So I, I love the book and I appreciate you sharing uh, today. And I know you're, you're on a tight timeline right now and, and got a lot of things to do here as this book is, is out um, here on the 27th of September. Where can they find the book, Steve? Everywhere. Go, you order it on Amazon, go to your local bookstore. It's published by Simon Schuster, which has fairly broad distribution reach. But Mike, I really appreciate our, our friendship and the wor work we've done together now for more than a decade. Yep. Uh, and obviously, everything you're doing is quite consistent with what we you know, are talking about with this uh, with this book. And I imagine most of the people listening to this right now are kind of we're kind of preaching to the converted. So my message, other than, you know, please go buy the book because we want to help spread this message is now's the time to really double down. Now's the time to whatever you're doing, really to lean into it with a little more um, emphasis because I think this is a, a moment in terms of what's happening in these rise of rest cities. And if we all really push forward, it can turn into much more of a sustainable movement. So it's an exciting time. And for everybody listening who's played a role in, in your particular uh, city and trying to build a startup community or with a particular company you're launching or work you're doing at a university or perhaps even at a big company trying to help you know, some of the small companies, wh whatever you're doing, thank you for doing it. But please you know, help us kind of take this to the next level and help us level the playing field so everybody everywhere really does have a shot at the American dream and every community really can rise, can create jobs, can drive economic growth that will strengthen those communities and, and strengthen our nation. So thank you for what you've done, but help us as we uh, kind of continue this journey. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. And congratulations again on the book. And that, that message sure, sure should ring true with everyone listening. So thanks so much. If you enjoyed the conversation with Steve Case today, please do share it. As he mentioned, everyone, everyone can do their part in spreading the message as we all work to 
do a, do everything we can to make this world a better place. And it, it takes everyone listening out there to, to make, make that happen. So share the message, see what we can do to help build these rising cities and maybe your city as well. So sharing is caring and we appreciate your help there. All right, well, that's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you have a startup idea and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start it up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it started, iterate. And in doing so, I encourage you to join our community, the Startup of the Year community, for access to support, expert advice, and resources, everything you'd need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com, startupoftheyear.com, or over to our direct link to apply and be a part of the community, soty.link forward slash apply. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Hope you're having a great day. Don't forget to hug your loved ones out there. And uh, good luck starting up. You can do it. Just get it going. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.